Welcome everyone. I'm Sue Barber, author, former IT director for a Fortune 500 company, turn executive coach, and this is the Visibility Factor podcast, where we explore how to raise your visibility and play bigger at work and in life. We'll explore key topics and welcome guests that help you shift your thinking about yourself so you can see new possibilities for your leadership. I'm on a mission to create a visibility movement for leaders to show their value and be seen for their true talent. Are you ready to take the next step towards a higher level of visibility for yourself? Let's go. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Visibility Factor podcast. I am Sue Barber, your host, and I am thrilled today to bring my guest to you, Marie Claire Ross. She is an amazing person that I met not that long ago, and I just think she brings such an interesting perspective around trust and teams and to leaders, and I just thought it was a really great topic to bring to all of you. So Marie Claire, thanks for joining me, and I'd love to have you introduce yourself to the listeners. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Sue. It's so wonderful to be here with you and I'm excited about uh, getting this chance to chat with you. So I work with companies and and leaders to help them trust and I I do a lot of work with companies that might be going through a cultural transformation and what's happened is that in the past they've had toxic leadership and now they're really transforming into a healthy, productive culture where people don't want to leave and they want to keep working where they are because they're so happy. Oh, isn't that lovely? Uh, there's so many companies that need that. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. so many. I love the company name that you have, Trustology. I think that is really cool. Did you make that up or how did you come up with your name? Uh, I I did. I spent quite some time doodling. I used to have another name, but then I wasn't happy with it, which was Corporate Culture Creator. But I couldn't get a trademark. I tried to get a trademark. And so then when that got rejected, I did a bit of soul searching and thought, well, I want a really cool name that's a bit made up, that's easier to get you know, get it trademarked. Um, And then I probably did the wrong thing. I decided to do it with a G-I-E at the end because I thought that was kind of a play off my French name. But unfortunately in Australia, um, that's Logie, which we have an awards called Logies. Um, So most Australians call it Trust a Logie. So... (laughs) get it right seem to have some sort of French background or knowledge so yeah I don't know if that worked so maybe I should have done it with the Y on the end but there's already a book in America with that so I didn't want to kind of cross over. I love it I think it's really clever and yeah it says a lot about you know that you're being creative but you're also bringing the trust people I thought I thought it was cute I liked it. Not that my voice counts, right, but... <laughs> but it's like, you know, the topic biology or chemistry. So it's really about the topic of trust, which is what I focus on. So what do you think the biggest challenge is for teams to have trust? <sighs> well, that's a good question. And, and to be honest, I think one of our biggest problems, and we all suffer from this, is that as human beings, we've gone through a school system that's very individually focused. So... We've all been brought up to be really good at, you know, at school, you know, get a good result. You know, the better your result, the, the more, the better you'll get into a school, the, a uni that you want to get into because it's so competitive. So we learn about this competitiveness and to beat everyone and, 
and to really focus on our skills. So when we get in, when we do get our first job and we're, we're, you know, we're trying to be the best and then we have to work in a team, we don't realise that we need to work with others to get the best results. We think it's all about ourselves. And so we actually need a leader that's very clear on the, the expectations and, and how we need to work with our teammates. But in a very few leaders, I find make that clear. Wow. Yeah, it's really fascinating, right? Because you're also getting measured from a rating perspective as an individual, not always as a team. And I can see where people would just focus on themselves, not as a, an overall team view of what they're doing. Yeah, well, it's, it's kind of what we're used to. And then, you know, some people, they, you know, because they're so individually focused and competitive, they do see other people as, as rivals. And so, you know, are, are afraid that if they work with others, they'll steal their ideas or, you know, take the credit for their work. So they, they hold back. So, you know, leaders need to, particularly if you're starting a new team, and that's actually a wonderful position to be in, to be honest, it's a really wonderful time to model the right behaviours and expectations and really sit down with your team and, and talk about how, you know, what needs to be done and how. You know, we so often focus on the what, but it's the, the how and what people need in, in the team for the behaviours as well, because we're all different. And so it's really bringing that all together. I love that because it's also the transparency of the leader starting to share, you know, expectations that they have, what they are looking for from the team and for the team to share back with them what their concerns are, their questions. So it kind of just opens up a good conversation when you have a new team. Yeah. And it's, you know, what's really interesting is that the leader is so critical to all of this. And, you know, I don't know if you heard of the, the study that Google did a few years ago where they looked at what made a high-performance team. And they looked at 60 years of academic research. They actually measured 250 variables. And back then they used to think that what made a good team was having some amazing PhDs and some, you know, the, the best engineers and some extroverts and you throw them all together and voila, there's this high-performing team. But what they discovered was that wasn't actually true. So what actually made a great team was not so much the people on the team, but how they interacted together. And it was really to do with a team leader that modelled the right behaviours and and knew how to build trust in that team and psychological safety and modelled vulnerabilities so that people knew that it was okay to be um, to open up and you know, even to be visible, as you know, which is really yes. important as well. Yes, my favourite topic. <laughs> So who do you work with primarily? Are you working with individuals, teams, companies? Who are your ideal clients that you work on with Trust? Yeah, I, I tend to work with a range of companies, so from government um, to you know, private companies all around the world. But essentially, 
teams that might have just been formed recently. They might have had a restructure. Like I do a lot of work with leadership teams uh, and the company is going through that cultural transformation. So there are new strategic initiatives, new um, organisational cultural initiatives and there is there's quite a lot of complexity because the business might not have been doing very well because of previous toxic leadership. So it might might have been the past CEO or the executive team. And now there's this big refresh and getting everyone on board. And, you know, what happens is you'll find that employees or leaders are in silos. The employees are scared and resistant of the change. And this complexity is overwhelming. Everyone's working really hard and, you know, they might not be spending the time to build the team dynamics, but that's the critical factor. Mm -hmm. Are you seeing that many of those leaders or any leaders that you've worked with, if they have a lot of insecurity or struggling in a big way, which holds them back from being the best leader that they could be? Yeah, so I see that a lot in younger leaders who need a bit of help with that. And, you know, younger leaders Mm. tend to be more individually focused as well because they're still fresh out of (laughs) school and uni or college. Um, So younger leaders need more help and they're the ones that, you know, do have, you know, there's that term everyone throws around called imposter syndrome uh, and they do need to, you know, find their own way and have that lived-in experience of being a leader that they can draw upon and, you know, that they can often be the ones that, you know, it's that negative ego that we have um, where we're so fearful about what other people are thinking about and we don't trust ourselves. And, um, you know, when we don't trust ourselves, it creates so many issues. So if somebody is on a team with a leader who is not the best, um, more insecure or... Um, creating more of a toxic environment for them, what what do you advise them to do first? Yeah, it's really hard for some, an employee on a team who has a boss like that. Um, and it's really about, you know, being clear um, and really tactful in communication. So, you know, finding a time where they're not threatened, where you can have a conversation and being transparent about what you're seeing. Uh, And it can be, you know, something along the lines of, oh, you know, we've got so much work on, we've got so many priorities, how are you going with all the pressure? And, you know, I don't know how you manage all the the, the deadlines and the expectations, how are you finding it? Uh, you know, just sort of opening them up and, and showing them that you have that empathy, that you can see that there might be some struggles and, you know, using that, you know, once they start talking to open it up and and share, you know, um, I, I don't know if this is um, appropriate but I'd love to share what I'm seeing and, uh, and you know, potentially some ways... Uh, you could improve uh, leading the team and, and, you know, just specifying or itemising it without, you know, being blaming as long as you're coming from the position that you're there to help them open up the conversation and and do it in a way that, 
you know, is trying to improve them and help them, but not being judgy or, oh, you're a terrible boss, you're, you know, <laughs> this is what you're doing wrong, <laughs> you know, like a teenager would do to their parents. That probably wouldn't go over really well. <laughs> no. Well, you know, it, as soon as people do that, we all withdraw and, you know, it, you don't get the best out of people that way. Yeah, I think it's also just thinking about how to approach it from a compassionate standpoint, right? They may be going through things outside of work. They may be new at the company, you know, just trying to adjust. I think that's really great advice to have someone have a different kind of conversation than they may have even considered before. I love that. Yeah. And it's it's also about employees, um, you know, having the understanding that their boss might be going through a lot as well. Because they usually don't. Well, sometimes I do. But, you know, there's a lot. Well, oh, it's the boss's fault. How dare the boss treat me this way? But, you know, the boss is going through a divorce or, you know, he's, yeah. he's got all these other things going on. Got some stuff going on for sure. Okay. So mm-hmm. I know you have written a book called Trusted to Thrive. I would love for you to share a little bit about the book and who it's for and kind of the key messages that you want people to take away from it. Yeah, well, it's really for leaders who realise that to get the best performance of their team, they are in charge of that and that they need to create a thriving team culture. So the book unpacks some processes to do that. It really, uh, the central focus is my main model into the integrated trust system which actually has three pillars that I break down in three sections in the book and provide lots of tips and uh, strategies for leaders to do that. So it's a dip in and out book. It does seem, it's quite a big book, uh, but, you know, once you've read the main theory at the start, you can dip in and out. And what I'm finding people are doing is they're just jumping to sections that they might need because something's come up, like they need some more strategies Mm -hmm. for doing a one-on-one or a team meeting or, um, you know, they're they're finding that they want to, to, you know, build connection with their staff so they might read a section on that. I love that. It's almost like a guide that you can keep referring back to, right, depending on the situation that you're having. And um, I love how you broke it out into practices and strategies and then the interactions that you have for each of those And um, I know one of those is visibility. So I would love to dive into how you thought about visibility in the book, because you broke it out into some really interesting ways that I probably talk about, but I think it's interesting the way you did it. So tell me some thinking around that. Yeah, so the visibility piece came up with some research I was doing within an organization. So a lot of companies, when they've got really big issues or big cultural change going on, I do research and particularly from a cultural perspective, you know, we do employee engagement surveys, but they just give you some numbers and what, you know, the level of things, but they don't tell you the why. So then I do, what I'll do is I'll interview employees and say, hey, you know, what is it that you need from the leadership team to trust them? And, you know, some questions around that. And I was doing some work with quite a big government organisation in Australia and found that so many employees were complaining about leaders not being visible. 
that, you know, I mean, this was big. So, you know, they often wouldn't see the, the head of their department or they wouldn't even know them because there might be 5,000 people in that department. But they were really asking for leaders to be more visible and, you know, just simple things like the boss saying hello to them when they walked in the door uh, back in the day when people were in the office all the time. And I, I was shocked because when I started my career, now that was quite a long time ago, um, I was, uh, I'd get really upset because once I, I remember sitting near the door when people walked in, it was the worst tape desk ever, uh, and people would ignore me. <laughs> And I'd get so heartbroken and just think, oh, no, people don't like me. And and then, you know, if your boss did it, that was even worse. So it just shocked me that to this day there are people still doing that. Uh, you know, as human beings, we want to be seen, we want to be valued and appreciated. So, you know, to build a relationship with anyone in your workplace is as easy as giving them eye contact and saying hello. So I know that's hard for people who might, you know, um, be on the spectrum with autism like uh, my daughter has. So, that, you know, there are social skills and stuff like that. But it's one of those skills we really, really have to be able to, to do, and it's not hard. Um, but anyway, I'm going off track. But in this research, people would complain about leaders not saying hello, uh, but also then they weren't able to um, understand the information. So... Uh, sorry, they, they weren't, because there were so many priorities and accountabilities, teams wouldn't trust other teams to deliver because uh, a team would say, um, thanks, yeah, we'll do that for you, but not get it done because other priorities would get in the way. And so then that team would get all upset and say they're not doing the work for us, but not realise they had about six months of scheduled work. And so they really needed to be able to see that to understand, well, this department can't do your work because they've got so much going on. And, and you know, accountabilities, because there were so many people accountable, or, you know, in such a big organisation, people didn't see that. So there was this real need that I unpacked for all of that to be broken down. So it's, you know, there were six elements that I found, and I found this in other companies as well. So visibility of information, that's become so important, you know, as we are working from home, you know, share everything you can, be as transparent as you can. Uh, you know, some people share all their meeting notes, you know, even if people weren't in the team. Uh, and because, you know, you know, it's almost like err on the side of caution, just share everything, you know, as a, a so don't share stuff that's personal, like people's confidential pay information or, you know, someone's having cancer treatment. But, you know, those sorts of things that, you know, really ease that part of the brain that we have that goes into fear and distrust the situation. There's also visibility around decision making. So what's really interesting is that I found that I find in a lot of my interviews people will complain um, well, we don't know how they make decisions. I'd like to really know the thinking process. Um, so it's like that game show, you know, who wants to be a millionaire, where, you know, people would, so frustrating, where people would, you know, talk about, oh, I think it might be C because blah, blah, blah. But no, it could be B because, of you know. But actually employees want to hear that, which is actually a really good sign because the more they know the decision process, the more they know what they can do when they're making decisions that are in alignment with what the, the leaders want. Uh, so it's really 
being really clear and, and, and unpacking that and not being afraid to, to share that with people. People really want that. Um, and then, of course, priorities and accountabilities, which I shared before. And then there's the visibility piece of leaders. So I always recommend leaders, particularly in large convers- uh, organisations, uh, to step forward and, you know, go on stage or or speak out about something or be interviewed in a newsletter. You know, for people that I coach, you know, this, this is really important stuff that they need to do so that people can see them. You know, employees, particularly in large departments, don't really see their boss, but, you know, they want to know their thinking, uh, what they're doing. So, you know, really opening that up. Um, and then it's being visible with other leaders. And I find this one fascinating. So particularly in a senior leadership team, uh, employees, if they don't see leaders working together or solving problems together, they'll just assume they don't like each other. And then they'll assume, well, they don't like each other, so I'm not going to work with that team. And so in this organisation I was working with, that was actually becoming a big problem and causing silos. And so we did this thing, now this was back in the day when things were face-to-face, but, you know, there's still other things you can do um, online. If there was an issue that team members had found with another team and they told their leader, the leader would then go, right, I'm going to get on the phone right now, give him a call and talk about how we can solve this and then talk about it in front of his staff or at some time when they could hear it in the background so that they could see they were getting along and working together to fix the problem. It sounds really silly, but it just makes such a difference. Um, And then the last one is expecting visibility from employees. So it's one thing for leaders to be visible, but employees need to be visible as well. You know, one of the big issues with working from home right at the beginning was, you know, leaders had to trust their staff to be doing the work. But employees have to prove that they they can be trusted and be visible, you know, from as simple as being on camera when they're in a meeting to really showing their team members the work that they're doing, what um, accountabilities they're doing, you know, how they're being accountable, showing that because teammates won't trust their um, other teammates if they can't see that they're doing the work. That's kind of it. In a nutshell. I love all of that. I think it's coming at it from a a bit of a different angle than in my book, but I think those are things that people may not think about, right? And visibility of information, I think, is one of the big ones. Decision-making, it's all stuff that I hear too, right? Where I wish I knew what was going on. And I'll talk to senior leadership teams and say, you don't have to give them the answers yet if you don't have them, but at least tell them you're talking about it at least let them know something is happening because without that, they'll create their own stories. And that's the thing I think people are missing. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, what people would tell me is I just want to know the thinking, you know, why did you decide to go with that strategy? You know, what led you? You know, so um, with one client, we we got them up on stage to talk about how they made decisions and, um, you know, really share the pathway to get there and what they considered and what they didn't. Um, and that's so important for us because, you know, as human beings, when things, when we're kept in the dark, we, we go into fear. Um, so it, it's really about visibility is just, you know, when you have a workplace that's in a dim light and employees can't see each other, they can't see what work is being done. 
So people become fearful, they hold back from committing on their full potential, they distrust the situation, and, and it actually enables, you know, cheating and lying and greed and power and, and corruption and conflict to actually become the norm because people go into self-protection mode when they don't know what's going on. And so visibility in some ways is really a leader coming in and turning on the light and really helping people see that everything's going to be okay. Um, And it stops that poor leadership behaviours that, you know, can go on when there's darkness uh, and really toxic employee behaviours as well. Oh my gosh, I love everything you just said. Uh, because I feel like it's all about transparency. Um, it's all about transparency and vulnerability and the safety piece, I think, is a big piece too because people will not be visible if they don't feel like it's safe to be able to do so. And if they're going to be judged, you know, they'll hide out and not do it. So all of that is amazing. Yeah, so you've, one of the things that I talk about at the start of my book is the Achievement Zone model. And... It's based on two currencies for team performance, which is psychological safety, where people can take risks, be themselves and know everything's going to be okay. And then the second one is accountability. And it was based, spurred on by the idea, like Dr. Amy Edmondson, who wrote the book, The Fearless Organisation, and who um, actually coined the term psychological safety in the workplace. She actually found that when people are safe and there's high accountability, they collide to form high performance. And so to me, I I call that the achievement zone. And when you have really high accountability but low safety, it's the anxiety zone. And, you know, in the anxiety zone, you know, people aren't seeing what's going on. Um, There's also what I call the abatement zone, which is where you have really high levels of safety but poor accountability. So the team is in that comfort zone. They're not performing at a high standard. Um, and, you know, the, the leader really needs to start really making people more accountable. So, you know, visibility plays into all of those team zones as well. Yes, your book is amazing. And I can't wait to get into it deeper because I just saw so many opportunities to apply for different conversations that I'm having with teams and with individuals who are struggling with trust. I think if you don't have trust, it's just, it's really hard to be a good team that is successful and high performing. Yeah. And in the workplace, trust is, because, you know, trust is used on so many different things. But to me, in a workplace, it's really about people being able to confidently rely on one another and predict that people will do the right thing and make good on their promises. And, you know, when you think about it, it's... it's Words and actions. Yeah, it's just about relying on each other. Okay, I love this conversation. I could probably talk to you for another three hours, Marie-Claire, but, uh, and for all the listeners, this is 6 a.m. <laughs> for her in Australia. So she is a, uh, an amazing person to get up and talk to us today. Uh, so we're going to transition into what I call the rise up and be visible quick tips. So these are four kind of rapid fire questions uh, around visibility. So I'd just love to hear your responses. The first one is fill in the blank. Visibility is? Visibility is it helps people feel safe, connected, and excited about the future because people believe what they can see. Oh, I love the possibility angle there you went with. <laughs> That's really cool. 
<laughs> Do you have advice or a tip that you could share with the listeners on what you have done to be visible? Yeah, well, it's it's going back to um, one of the things I said, and it's just sharing, you know, as much as you can to your people. So sharing what work you're doing, being transparent, um, you know, not, you know, accidentally um, sharing something because you don't want to, you know, you're hiding stuff. You know, it's when we're hiding stuff that people get really upset and distrust us. So I always like to explain the why behind a deadline or initiative uh, in any work that I'm doing with any anyone so that it's really clear what's going on um, and they don't feel like I might be hiding stuff. Yeah, that's really important. What is some leadership advice or career advice that you've received that was helpful for you? Yeah, it's um, it sounds really trite, but it's just be conf- believe in yourself. Uh, and, you know, once you've made a decision, um, you know, feel that go, go with that. And, and, you know, it's, it's that second guessing of yourself that can really let yourself down. Um, of course, you know, be flexible. If, if it is the wrong decision, well, then go back and change it. But um, it's that confidence. And, and it really goes back to, you know, trusting in yourself. Um, and honestly, it's one of the hardest things to do as a human being. So I know <laughs> that, you know, I might be writing books on trust and I've been focused on this area for eight years, but it all comes back to how much I trust myself. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that too, because I've seen that with a lot of leaders who don't trust themselves and it just causes more issues for their team and for themselves ultimately. Um, so I love that you're you're talking about that with people and that they can start to see that Trusting their gut, trusting their intuition, trusting themselves is a really good thing. Yeah, I call that, um, uh, there's a thing in the book that I talk about, the three trust forces, and I call that the micro trust force because, you know, from that it's being trusting ourselves and being aware and, um, you know, trusting our gut and all those sorts of things that I unpack, you know, is really foundational to everything, the team dynamics and how the, the team operates. Totally agree. All right. So what book have you read recently that you love and would recommend? Um, This is a bit of a strange one, but there's a really good book by Steve Pressfield called Turning Pro, Tap Your Inner Power and Create Your Life's Work. Um, It's a really short book. It's really quick read, um, really well written, and it's just so motivating. And you know, I'm self-employed, so and I'm always creating stuff. But we're all, you know, creating stuff, and it's really about having the confidence and trust in yourself to, you know, just create and believe in what you're doing. And you know, it's so important for all of us. It's where the joy is in our work lives. I'm a huge Stephen Pressfield fan, so I love that you recommended that. <laughs> That's awesome. awesome. (laughs) So if anyone wants to reach out and connect with you, where would you like them to connect with you at? Yeah, you can connect with me on LinkedIn um, or my website, marieclairross.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here and getting up early to talk to us. Uh, I really appreciate that. (laughs) And I just know the things that you're talking about with trust are so important to teams and individuals um, and companies to really have the best success. From their, from their teams. Yeah, and the wonderful thing is that we're at a time now in the world where we're really appreciating it. 
you know, when I started my business eight years ago, this was a topic people would pretty much run away from me from. Um, <laughs> but now people really want this. You know, COVID has taught us that we want to work in caring, supportive workforces. And, you know, we want to feel valued and we need our leaders to help us feel that. And, um, yeah, it's quite an amazing time that things are turning around like that. It's fantastic. And I'm so happy to see that too. I think it's so important. And I really hope more and more people start to see the importance of building trust and maintaining it. And if they don't have it, getting help from people like Marie Claire, who can help you figure out the best ways to do it for your team. I think it's so important. It's, it's got such an amazing flow on effect because if people are happy at work, they come home happy, they're nice to their family, to their pets, they don't kick the dog when they get home and, you know, it's got this really amazing flow on effect to all of society <laughs> where people, um, you know, are going to work not just because they've got a paycheck but because they've got meaning in their work. It's what we all crave. Uh, yes, we do. Well, thank you for joining, Marie Claire. I just love your work and what you're doing. And I'm so excited that you were able to join us today. So thank you for being here. My pleasure. And thank you so much for um, our chat. It's been really, really fun. Thank you. Yes, of course. Well, thanks everybody for joining the Visibility Factor podcast and we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks so much for listening to the Visibility Factor podcast. Remember that visibility starts with small steps that are intentional and consistent each day. Be bold, be visible, be the leader you were meant to be. Find us and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Follow us on all of our social media platforms, which are highlighted in the show notes. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Visibility Factor Podcast.